The revolution is upon us. The future of physical music is in our hands. Join the fight. This is the Wax Cast. Hey, we're live. Are we live? We are live. I think we're live. <laughs> One day we're going to get it right. Maybe today. It could be today. <laughs> Probably not. Could be today. I am TJ. I am Andy. And this is the Wax Cast presented by GetItOnVinyl.com. We've had a, a really cool week uh, on the website. Yeah, Some definitely. Great- a lot going on. Um, one thing definitely sticking out with us, though, was a review that, that uh, you actually wrote. Yeah. Um, uh, was with uh, for Craig Smith, Matreya Kali. Love is our existence. Love is our existence. One thing, this really struck us as a really cool release, and mm-hmm. we getting a lot of people were telling us how much they liked it, and, yeah. the, and the, uh, the community was responding really well. Yeah. And so we thought we'd take it one step further, um, and we thought, hey, let's reach out to the people who put this together. Yeah. And uh, so tonight we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Mike Stacks, who we're going to bring in here in just a second. Uh, Mike is the, uh, the author of uh, Swim Through the Darkness, My Search for Craig Smith, and the Mystery of Maitreya Kali. Um, the biography of Craig Smith, and he's also the one of the founders of the the new label uh, Matreya Apache Music, which uh, Love Is Our Existence is put out on. So we're going to bring uh, Mike in here uh, in just a second. But if oh, you're joining, we got him on. There. We got him on already. <laughs> there he is. Uh, so uh, if you have questions, uh, we're going to be asking him a lot of questions. But if you have questions along the way, uh, and you're on Facebook, go ahead and leave a comment, and we'll try to uh, get Mike to answer them as well. So. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's just uh, jump right into it. Uh, tell us, how did you become interested in the life of Craig Smith? Um, it all began when I heard this record, which I'll show you right here. It's called Apache. And it's actually a double album of Apache, and the other album's called Inca, and it was credited to Matreya Kali. And uh, it's a really strange looking record with these homemade graphics and then these bizarre liner notes and credits that say that Matreya is going to be crowned king of the world in the year 2000. Um, These records were released in really tiny pressings, like probably less than a hundred were pressed in the early seventies and uh, became kind of a collectible among psychedelic fans. And, um, Anyway, I got a, my hands on a reissue of it, and, and uh, I put it on. I was expecting some kind of pretty crazy kind of unfocused uh, music based on you know what I saw of the album art. And I was really astonished because the quality of the songwriting and the quality of the singing and the music was really high. Some of the songs sounded like to me like the Buffalo Springfield or the Birds, and then there were these also these acoustic songs that were really haunting and uh, beautifully sung. And uh, reading the liner notes, I thought, and the pictures on the album cover just showed this strange hippie looking guy. And and obviously from the liner notes, he was mentally disturbed. You know, he really thought that he was the next coming of Buddha and Christ and Muhammad and Buddha and Hitler all rolled into one. All these people were cited on the liner notes. So I wondered how this, disturbed person could have made this beautiful music that I knew there had to be a story there. So I started digging a little bit using the notes on the album as sort of a map and uh, discovered that Matreya Kali was this guy, Craig Smith. And um, 
And uh, this was the year 2001 when I first heard this, by the way. So already the trail was pretty cold, but I began to piece together the story and I found out that he was now homeless, uh, living on the streets of LA, and that he'd been in a band called the Penny Arcade, produced by Mike Nesmith of the Monkees. And that's what some of the music on these albums was. So I started tracking down people that um, knew Craig and, and began, began to sort of piece together this really strange story. I discovered that he'd been uh, in a group called the Good Time Singers that were on the Andy Williams show. So he began with this super commercial, mainstream, white bread, wholesome show business background and then ended up on the very fringes of society as a sort of homeless almost Charles Manson type guy with a, with a uh, black widow spider tattooed on his forehead. So uh, it, it, it was just a story that kept, you know, layer after layer kept uncovering. And it, and it took me 15 years to sort of piece together the story that became the book swim through the darkness. And, and even then there's still a lot of mystery surrounding what happened. Wow. Um, how long did the book uh, take you to, research and write and to finally complete well yeah as i said all told it was about 15 years i um it was hard to know when to stop i really wanted to talk to craig and, and get his story from him but he was homeless and up in los angeles and i was down in san diego and very difficult to reach eventually i found uh a couple of people that would see him on the streets, there were certain places in North Hollywood and Studio City where he'd uh, frequent. So I would go up there and try to find him at these places, but he was never there when I was. So uh, I was never able to talk to him. And um, But the people that did talk to him told me, you know, the, there wasn't much you could get out of him. He, he was he was very withdrawn and, um, you know, he, he'd, he'd definitely had suffered mentally a lot and, and – um, so by the time, um, you know, I was nearing completion of the book, he, he died on the streets uh, in, in a park, in a sleeping bag in a park. So it really had a tragic end. And uh, for a while there, I didn't even know if I wanted to finish the book because it, it, the ending was such a depressing end. But I think I found a way to uh, add a little bit more of an uplifting ending to the book. Sure. Um if you're just joining us, uh, we are talking to Mike Stacks, uh, biographer of Craig Smith, uh, Matria Kali, uh, his book, and also the uh, founder of uh, Matreya Apache Music, uh, who just put out Love Is Our Existence. So if you have a question for Mike, make sure you drop it in the, the Facebook comments there, and we'll do our best to, to have him answer that. Um, moving on, though, uh, how did you come into possession of the unreleased material for Love Is Our Existence? It was really um, uh, it, it was really all down to finally um, during the whole time I was researching the book, fifteen years. I really wanted to talk to Craig's family. I knew he had a couple of brothers and a sister, and uh, of course they were hard to track down because Smith is such an impossible name to find. Uh, but I did find his brother Gary, and I sent him letters, and I left him voicemails, and, and he never responded. And I assumed rightly because they didn't really want to talk about Craig because um, because of his mental illness and uh, things that had happened with the family. Um, uh, it was really a dark family secret for them and they didn't really want to make that public. 
But as soon as the book came out, in fact, right when the book came out, Gary finally dug out a letter that I'd written to him, I think, 10 years earlier and, and called me and uh, said, yeah, this is Gary Smith, Craig's brother, and maybe we should talk. So uh, I went up to see him up in L.A. and, uh, you know, with a lot of trepidation because uh, I'd just written this book about his, you know, schizophrenic brother who died in homeless and and, um, uh, and I walked into Gary's apartment and he had on the dining room table like stacks of tapes and acetates and photographs uh, of Craig and his music and it was it was pretty overwhelming really because as I said I spent 15 years and it would sometimes be months just to dig out one little kernel of information or you know one photograph or whatever but now there was just you know, a wealth and abundance of stuff. And he started playing me some of these acetates, which Craig had recorded um, back in the late 60s and early 70s, mostly the late 60s. And they were amazing. These were all songs that were not on the Apache and Inca albums. Um, and the, the quality of them was really good. So, um, you know, Gary and I, you know, had a long we spent a whole afternoon talking about Craig and talking about what to do. And, and I said, we have to get this music out there. So um, we made a deal and um, he agreed to let me release the records. In fact, we formed Matreya Apache music together as partners in order to release Craig's music. And it, it took about a year or so to work on remastering and um, restoring the sound and, and getting all the packaging and the liner notes together because we really wanted to do this right. And uh, and I'm really pleased with how it turned out. Uh, that kind of leads us into the next couple of questions. Um, how did you decide from this, this trove of music uh, which songs to include on the album? Um, it was a, it was a process. Um, you know, first of all, I, I transferred everything, um, uh, you know, and, and started making playlists and juggling them around and, and listening and listening for months and months. I listened to nothing else but these songs. And uh, in many cases, there were two or three different versions of the same song. So uh, um, sometimes only slightly different, sometimes quite different. And, and the decision was really based on which songs I felt with the strongest, uh, which ones were in, were still in the best condition as well. That was a factor. And, uh, and just which ones that would hold together as a, as an album of, of his work. Excellent. Um, I see we have a lot of people jumping in on the Facebook live and, and, uh, they're, uh, jumping in. So if you have a question for Mike Stacks, uh, please just go ahead and drop a, a comment there and we'll do our best for him to get to it. Uh, moving on, though, uh, tell us about the remastering process. I mean, you had decade-old uh, tapes and acetates. That must have been quite the process to to remaster that. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Uh, yeah, it was. I, I'd worked with acetates before, and it really is down to how good the condition is of the disc. If it's not been played many times, they're usually, you know, pretty good just pretty much pretty similar to mastering off vinyl. So you just do a nice clean transfer and uh, do as little as possible. I mean, most of these um, songs are just Craig uh, playing an acoustic guitar and singing. So very basic production. 
So there was very little in the way of groove distortion or anything like that. So um, I worked with um, Mike Camus at Earthling Studios here in San Diego. And, um, and we, you know, the decision we made was to try to do as little as possible to these. We didn't want to put it through any noise filters, um, you know, which you can do to remove surface noise, but it takes all the air out of it, all the room out of it, and it just flattens it. So um, to rem in some cases, there were ticks and pops, little scratches, and we just went through individually by ear and, and took those out. And uh, other than that, it was just a matter of uh, Mike has great ears. It was just a matter of EQing uh, everything and so that, it, you know, the levels were similar and it was as clean and pure as possible. And, uh, and that's, that was really our philosophy, to, to just do the, minim, minimal, the minimum that we had to do. Perfect, Mike. We just got a comment for you that I wanted to make sure that you saw um, from Corbett Shimming. Uh, he says, thanks for your amazing research on Craig's life and work. Well, thank, yeah, thank you, Corbett. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the thing is, people wonder why they would be interested in uh, Craig Smith, a, a guy nobody's heard of, and, and why write a book about a completely unknown person. Uh, and uh, it's really down to the strength of his music. He was an immensely talented guy who just happened to uh, make some bad choices and had some bad luck. And, and uh, otherwise, I really think he would have been a success. Back in the 60s, uh, the Monkees recorded one of the songs he'd written. Andy Williams recorded two songs he'd written. Glenn Campbell. These are all acts that were, had no shortage of people providing them with top quality songs. But they chose to record things that Craig had written. So that's a measure of how talented he was. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I encourage people to, you know, just listen to, to what might've been, you know, there's no, if, if he hadn't have basically gone mad, um, he really, uh, could have been very successful. I feel, uh, Mike, why was it important for you to release this album on vinyl uh, specifically? I know, I know it's available on all the formats, but this is a really great deluxe package with, extensive liner notes, uh, a great pressing. Why the why was the vinyl format so important for you to put it out on? Well, vinyl is is, a, is, is the format as far as I'm concerned, and, and everything else is just supplemental to that. Um, for it to be a real album, what I consider a real album, it had to be on vinyl. That seems to be, to me, that feels something like something permanent and tangible, uh, and I think it's what... I feel like Craig's music deserved to be on a proper album, not just a dinky throwaway CD or a download. It needed to be, you know, in this format that, you know, you, you guys know as well as I do that this is, you know, there's something special about vinyl, the way it sounds, the way it feels. And it also, what the opportunities it gives you as far as the packaging with the artwork. So, you know, I made the decision uh, along with Gary to do, a gatefold cover um, because the story needed to be told and it needed a lot of space. So there's a 5,000 word essay with information that wasn't in the book. A lot of photos that I hadn't put in the book as well. And um, yeah, I just wanted it to be the best and, and the best, best pressing and, and kind of spare no expense on that because this was, this probably would only be done once 
certainly it was the first time it was going to be done and the first time this music is going to be presented. So let's pull out all the stops and do it right. Excellent. Um, I'm sure is, is a million dollar question for a lot of people who are fans of uh, Craig's music. Uh, are there any other plans to re- uh, release any additional mat- materials uh, on the new label? Um, yeah, there's definitely plans. Um, one thing I'd like to do, obviously, is to release the Apache and Inca albums. Um, they were available um, on a reissue out of, uh, from Germany, uh, which happened you know, back at the beginning of the 2000s. And that sold out very quickly, and even copies of that are selling for four or five hundred dollars now. Even the CD they did is selling for like one hundred fifty, two hundred fifty dollars. So it's time to put out an affordable reissue of that and better quality. There's some more unreleased material that we didn't include on Love Is Our Existence, and hopefully more stuff will be searching, uh, will be surfacing. Craig was very prolific, and. Uh, I, I'm aware of a lot of songs that he wrote that we've not found any copies of yet. So um, hopefully some songwriting demos will sur- surface from, uh, you know, publishing companies or in people's collections. So you, there's a lot of, still a lot of unheard music out there to be consumed. You say there's still a lot to be heard. Yeah, there's still quite a lot to be heard. There's um, for a while, uh, Craig had a duo with Chris Ducey called Chris and Craig, and they recorded for Capitol records only one single was released in 1966, but there's a whole album's worth of material by Chris and Craig. Some of it's in the Capitol Vault. Some of it we have. I didn't include it on Love Is Our Existence because I feel it's a separate. Uh, it has a different feel. It's it's a collaboration with Chris, and um, it would only have to be done with Chris's approval. But um, there's some really fantastic recordings that they did together. There's a version of. Um, Wings, the the Tim Buckley song, produced by Nick Vinay with a full orchestra, you know, recorded at Capitol Records wow. in uh, 1967, and it's absolutely spectacular. I mean, it would have—I don't know why they didn't release it as a single. For some reason, they shelved it, but it's just a remarkable recording. Uh, we have the acetate of that, and um, but I'd like to, you know, get the master tapes and and release that properly as part of a Chris and Craig album. Man. That's amazing. We, we we certainly hope that comes to fruition soon yeah, in the future. So, absolutely, Mike. I can't thank you enough for joining us and for for everybody who's been watching. Uh, this has been an eye opening experience, and we we really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me, Andy. Thank you, TJ. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, just with your permission, we're gonna we're gonna play uh, the song "Rainbow Colors." Yeah, please do Sh- share it with everybody. Thank you. We're gonna pause to do that.
Mike, again, thanks so much for joining us and for letting us play that track. That was really great. So, um, you guys, where can we get the album? Where can, if people are watching, where can they buy the the album "Lovers Are Existence"? Um, you can buy it on uh, my website, which is uh, ugly-things.com. There's a web store there where you can buy the album and the CD. Um, it should also be available at good record stores. And um, as far as digitally, you know, if you want to go that route, it's uh, iTunes and Amazon. But um, the first pressing of the album is uh, already sold out, and the second pressing should be coming in a couple of weeks. So uh, it seems to be being really well received so far. And I appreciate your you know, great review, and, and thanks for having me today. Oh, thanks so much. Definitely and if, thank uh, you. You're watching on um, any of our other channels uh, after this interview on YouTube or anything. We'll make sure we'll put a link to it below this video so people can pick that up. So make sure to check that out and, and support this great new label. And, uh, there's a legacy here of uh, this music that needs to be kept alive. And uh, so we, we are uh, honored to be part of that and speaking with you about that. So, uh, so that's the wax cast for this week. Uh, this is uh, a new format and with the live stream and everything, but uh, there's about a million ways to watch it, hear it. Uh, we're on Facebook live, YouTube, but also on the iTunes and Stitcher. And of course, get it on vital.com. Yep. So, and that's the best way to really watch it because <laughs> or listen to it. Because it's the best website out there. That's right. For all your vital <laughs> needs. That's what we are. So we've been doing this for a long time, and that's what we do. So thanks very much for joining us. Um, 
And we're going to, we do this every week. We're going to see you next week at 7.30. 7.30 next week. We're going to be bumping it up. 7.30 uh, next week, Mountain Standard Time. Like us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all those. But we don't them. Snapchat. Damn it. We don't. I don't know if I want to. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> okay. So uh, hit us up there. Stay in touch. Talk to us. You are the Vana community, and we want to connect with you. That's what the WaxCast is all about. We want to connect with the Vana community. Are you a part of the Vana community? Get in contact with us. We want to put you on just like we just put Mike on. We want to talk to you. So uh, stay in touch. We'll see you next week. He said it all.